welcome to episode 202 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James, joined this week by Ryan, and we're missing Paul. Kids are getting ready to go back to school, so if you have kids, I, I'm sure you you know that hassle. So it's just the two of us today. How how you doing, Ryan? I'm good. I'm. Can you tell I'm a little tan from a little, all of the a little sun? Warmer. Yeah. Yeah. Were you were you on the sunny side of Amfam this afternoon? No, 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 no. Actually, we're we're always in our regular seats, which is right between the pillars. So we never ah. have sun, which is great. Except there's not great <laughs> airflow up there. So okay, like you trade a little bit of that off, but no, no. This was from uh, my beaching in uh, Atlantic City and You're fishing. Beaching. Yes, my my various. Uh, You're fish chasing escapades. fish across. The, yeah, chasing fish fish across the country tour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I saw some great shows, so it was. I was really very happy with the quality overall of the shows that I saw. So that's yeah. I, I think Paul and I were talking last week. That's not really our thing, but you know we're happy for you. So there you go. <laughs> it had been uh, a long time <laughs> since I got to go to concerts, so this was sure. uh, this was nice. Sure, sure, absolutely. So glad to have you back. Uh, Lots to talk about with the Brewers, too. They continue to pretty much kick ass the last couple of weeks here. So it's been fun to watch. A lot of fun things to talk about before we get underway. A reminder, as always, you can support us, support the podcast network by becoming a patron. That's at patreon.com slash tailgate. As always, two bucks a month gets you that question priority here on the podcast. We got a couple of good ones here this week. And for five bucks a month, you get the Minor League Extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson. And you have a good incentive to sign up because uh, you guys are recording a new episode sometime this week. What are you thinking you're going to talk about? Well, I'm going to have to eat some crow. So that is definitely coming because <laughs> that's worth the five dollars. Yeah, just just that alone. So I uh, I foolishly set the number of brewers on the MLB pipeline top 100 overall. I said there was yep. going to be over two point five and James took the under and he was correct. Yeah. So not exactly in the way that he predicted, like it wasn't the exact names he predicted, <laughs> but he was sure. still correct. And I wasn't. So, yeah, so sure. I'll be I'll be eating crow on that uh, subject. And I'm sure that will be a a topic of conversation as to how uh, Sal Freilich ended up on the back end of the list. But Bryce Terang yep. fell off of it. Yeah, there you go. So. Uh, You'll definitely want to check that out as that comes later this week. Uh, With that $5 level, you also get the reporting is eligible Packers mini pods from Paul uh, uh, during the Packers season as well. And he's not here today, but he does. He says they are going to record a new episode of reporting as eligible this week. Whole gang should be back together. Uh, It was just a solo show last week, but uh, you know, we're two Packers preseason games down. I, I think one to go. So uh, getting really crazy close to football season. I have a fantasy football draft in a week. I need to get ready for that. I have no idea what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, just be sure to check that out too with Paul Brewers. Meanwhile, kind of cruising through another week. They went eight and two on their most recent road trip. Uh, basically buried the Cardinals in the process. That was a fun St. Louis series, I guess, outside of the last game. But uh, first couple of games were fun to see. And uh, kind of using some of the Cardinals double magic against the Cardinals themselves. So that that was fun. Uh, then they came back home. They won two or three from Washington over this weekend. They enter the next this upcoming week with a division lead still at seven and a half games. 
I think this is the last series they play against the Reds coming up of the year, right? Mm -hmm. This is the Reds' last chance to really make this a race. So kind of a big series coming up, I guess. Let's just start there. What what are you expecting to see in this Red series? Do you think, can the Reds kind of shave a game or two off here and kind of make things interesting down the stretch? Or is this kind of the season deciding series here? Yeah, I mean, the big thing for the Brewers is just don't get swept. Because right. at that point, they're only picking up a game. So it would go to, to 6.5, lose two out of three, they pick up a game. As long as yeah. you don't get swept, you're doing fine. Any sort of series win. I'm not going to say it completely puts the nail in their coffin just because their schedule is so, so soft, like Charmony soft. And the Brewers (laughs) do play the Cardinals a lot over the last month of the season. And the Cardinals potentially will be playing for something. We'll we'll see exactly what that can look like. But as it stands right now, the Reds are in the playoffs, right? They're uh, they've now moved ahead of the San Diego Padres, who've really been faltering just because they don't have anybody healthy. So their their rotation is decimated. Slide is is something to behold there. Yeah, I I guess I didn't realize, but holy crap! Yeah, the Reds now hold that second wild card spot, a game ahead of the Padres. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is that's something to watch too. So I guess you know we've been operating on the assumption that it's only been one NL Central team to to make the playoffs, and, and now yeah, the the Padres really fallen off. Uh, yeah, the Cardinals even only four and a half back now, uh, even if their division odds kind of looking slim at the moment. Well, I saw a thing. The the Reds have been on an absolute tear for like a month plus at this point, and they've lost ground to the Brewers because the Brewers have been even better. It's <laughs> really been even better. Yeah, I it's really like, terrible yeah. for them. Like, it's obviously great for us, but. <laughs> yeah, I do feel like, you know, the, the the Reds last 10 column on the standings has been seven and three for like a month and a half. But the, the Brewers last 10 has been eight and two. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it's really tough to make up ground. I'm sure the Reds fans are kind of cursing the Brewers right now. But uh, yeah, things are really getting interesting here, at least in that wild card race. And we can thank the Mets total collapse for that. So uh, another team that just has nobody healthy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Red Series coming up, but this past weekend, too, I want to kind of talk about that. As we mentioned, two out of three against the Nationals dropped that first game. It was like one of those situations where the Brewers lost two in a row and the world was ending. And then Saturday happened. Christian Yelich hit two home runs, including a grand slam. Everything's hunky-dory again. And Christian Yelich is back. Is that right, Ryan? (laughs) Repeat after me. (laughs) We will not say that Christian Yelich is back. (laughs) Just do not say it. Don't even try to keep the thought out of your mind. Try to keep from having that that happiness enter your life. Because <laughs> I will admit, I, I took my, my focus to the game today, and I I made a comment to my dad that it was like, you know, if he could get going, they might just be, like, unstoppable. You know, if right. you get, like, vintage Christian Yelich going. But that is extremely unlikely. Being Playing better, that would be... That'd be fine. I don't have the up to the minute numbers for Christian Yelich because of today's game, but 247, 373, 385 now after going two for five today. Okay, yeah. Going I was I was gonna look at the last ten days. So the last okay. go coming into today, the previous, I guess, eleven days before that, 350, 381, 575. So yeah. Much more in line with what you like to see, though you would like to see a little bit more walking in there. But I guess if if he's just hammering baseballs and honestly, if you look at some of the baseballs over the past few days, 
that he has he could have had three home runs in Saturday's yeah. game because there was a ball to the warning track in there too. He has been hammering some baseballs that he maybe hadn't been hammering before. So you definitely like to see this. That is the the ideal for Christian Yelich. But I also don't think they necessarily they don't to be successful. I don't know to win a World Series, whatever you define as success in the postseason to win some series to go forward in the playoffs. They don't need Christian Yelich to be, you know, God mode Christian Yelich. They could use uh, a, a, a well-balanced offense to get to that point along with good pitching, but it certainly would help. And yeah, it's, it's something you just have to kind of cross your fingers and hope for, but I wouldn't at this point expecting it is probably not a great idea. I mean, yeah, it'd be definitely helpful, especially now that, you know, Tyrone Taylor went on the injured list with the dreaded oblique injury. Mm. So you kind of lose that back up. You had Eduardo Escobar kind of limp off the field today. Yeah. What did uh, Craig say after the game about that? Because I was traveling home, so I didn't hear. I didn't catch it, but the speculation early was a possible hamstring. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, you might lose that bat out of there. So. You know, if this is real and, you know, we're not going to jump to giant conclusions based on a three or so game sample. But as you said, the numbers in the last, you know, 10 days or so have started to trend up. He's really starting to hit the ball well. And I think that's the important thing, right, is like those underlying numbers. It's it's nice that he could sneak through a double in St. Louis once or twice. But the fact that he was just stinging the ball and hitting the ball in the air. on saturday Mm -hmm. was like the big thing right like how many times have you seen him get those meatballs and they've been kind of popped up or he's still somehow chopped them into the ground i think that was just the refreshing part for me to see him kind of look a little bit more like vintage christian yelich right especially on that grand slam he fought through a, a huge really long at bat and finally got that meatball and he punished it you know, that was that was sort of a vintage Christian Yelich at bat. So that it was, was also a vintage Bob Euchre call. I was not watching. I was listening, uh, sitting over in the South Shore Beer Garden last night. Nice. And uh, uh, okay. so I had that on and uh, a bunch of people in the area surrounding all kind of reacted and were like, what what, what just happened? Christian Yelich Grand Slam. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a little celebration there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jeff Levering's call too on TV was just phenomenal. The way he's transitioned to TV, too, is got to give him a shout out because that that was great and he's really embraced the you don't have to say as much on tv and and it was just a very basic but great well he's done quite a bit of tv he does college basketball all the time so he he's familiar with the general idea there and yeah he's a pro so i i definitely don't mind that the one thing i know that all chances are going forward post euchre whenever that happens hopefully a very long time from now uh, that if Levering and Grindle are still around, which I guess is probably not necessarily super likely because the way it works here is uh, a guy works with Euchre and then gets a great job someplace else to be basically their right. lead guy. That's happened four or five guys in a row now, right? It, it, it yeah. Just everybody ends up going someplace else. But the one thing about those two is their voices are so similar. <laughs> I still find myself when I've, I've it's, heard that. Yeah, I, I can get that. Yeah. It, when they're talking know, they're to each other, it's like, good. who's who? Like, what? who's even saying what in this conversation? Mm-hmm. Even after listening to them a lot, I still have the issue. So not that like anything they say is wrong or bad or whatever. They're very good. It's just 
it's one of those right. weird quirky things right so uh that's just great but i guess anything else on yelich that you've seen i i do know like i had some frustration with him at least watching a couple at bats in st louis where you know he he just fouled out right but especially in big spots it's kind of uh, frustrating to see that but it, it did, did sort of indicate to me that he's trying to consciously swing up in the air right right like he's trying to lift that launch angle a little bit and i think that's kind of been the underlying number for me that has um really stuck out is he's kind of gone back to miami levels of low launch angle uh which you know is still a, a good player but it's not the the franchise player the the super duper mega extension guy right and yeah so i it, it's just been kind of encouraging to see that. Um, I guess while while you were, uh, you know, talking <laughs> announcers, I, I pulled it up. Eduardo Escobar is going to go uh, for an MRI tonight. So on that hamstring. So that's eh, hopefully it's fine. But it's at yeah. least looking like at least a short little layoff there for him, too. So with that and, and Dan Vogelbach, you know, we were talking started this or before he started recording went to the 60 day il but as you kind of mentioned too he's kind of been out for 60 days so that just might be a paper move too so mm -hmm. uh we'll see if we get that but you know might just be revolving door at first base again if it's escobar's out for just to make clear for anybody who doesn't know if you're listening to this you probably know this but maybe some people don't the whole thing with the 60 day versus the 10 day or 15 day il is that when you, somebody goes on the 60, you're allowed to replace them on the 40-man roster. So if you have somebody that you want to call up who isn't already on your 40, that allows you to do that. So it gives you the flexibility to be able to, to play that game a little bit. So exactly. that's why guys go to the to the 60 as opposed to the, the 10 or the 15. Right. And, you know, that might become a factor in the next couple of weeks here as we get to September if they need to add somebody to the 40-man to uh, add to those extra roster spots that you get in September. And we've got a question about that coming up. But first, as I mentioned at the top of the show, reminder, question priority, two bucks a month. If you sign up to become a patron, that's at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Uh, first question that we picked out this week comes from Philip Schumacher. I guess, uh, you know, if Christian Yelich is back, maybe uh, Brandon Woodruff, not so much. He's kind of struggled his last couple of starts here, including giving up, I think it was a season high six runs, in st louis got tagged with back-to-back -back home runs uh, probably one of the more uh frustrating outings that he's had this year so philip's question kind of off the tails of that should we be concerned about brandon woodruff's last couple of outings uh, tim muma on brewcrewball.com argues that woodruff has changed his pitch mix the last couple of games do you think that's the primary issue so I went and looked this up myself, and no, I don't think that's the primary issue. I don't think the change has been as big as what Tim is talking about in here. Uh, really, when you look at it from the month of from the month of uh, July to the month of August, his curve percentage has dropped two percent from twenty percent of the time to eighteen percent of the time, and the overall, I guess the the he's throwing more four seamers. Uh, but fewer sinkers. So that's actually like maybe a change that you could point to. But even then, we're talking about fairly small margins here. So I really don't think that that's probably it. I think mostly what 
you're looking at with Woodruff is the guy wasn't going to continue to pitch like that forever. And sure. he got into some spots and he's been in spots at times this year and has gotten out of them more often than not. And he got into some spots and didn't get out of it. I, I don't know exactly yeah. what happened because I was landing <laughs> during the uh, the last start. So he did make he made a couple of mistakes with the curveball, which I think kind of precipitated the the look at the pitch selection. He hung the I think it was a two strike curveball that he hung uh, for the first home run, and then second second one sort of a similar story next batter. So. And that's how a three earned run outing turned into a six earned run outing. And suddenly that line looks a lot worse with just two mistake pitches. Right. And that's just kind of sometimes the way it goes. Exactly. And you're looking at his, his game logs this year. We hadn't had a six run outing. We'd only had one five run outing and that was actually in Colorado. So mm-hmm. I always think you can just take those with a giant grain of salt because any crazy shit can happen at Colorado. So other than that, you're looking at, a couple of four run outings. Is that no, only one four run outing. He's a four run, a five run and a six run outing. And you're going to just by pitching in the major leagues and throwing starts, you're going to occasionally have a blow up start. You're going to occasionally have a time when it just doesn't all click for you. And there doesn't necessarily have to be an explanation for it. Now, we it bears watching to see what's going on with him. He doesn't seem to be missing bats at quite the rate that he was before. So starting to walk a few few more. Yeah, you right. know, like But that also goes with the territory. Guys go through ups and downs. Who knows physically what is going on with him? He is pushing to a point now where he's I believe he's now ahead of where he's ever been in his career for innings. I just double check that, but I believe that's correct. Yeah, I mean, we we looked this up too before we started. He's at 175 innings already this year. Oh, I have. I'm at. Uh, sorry, I have him at 145 uh, in a third. Oh, sorry, 145. Yeah, yeah I, and that's his previous high was in 2019 at 121. So right, so he's already passed a career high, and we're you know, in this season where everybody's talked so much about trying to get guys extra rest, being really careful with innings that kind of thing and you know he's he's really the only one out of the big three especially that hasn't had a break right you know mm-hmm. burns went on the il with his uh but with COVID earlier this year freddie's on the il now uh so he he's been the one that's kind of just been chugging along and they've probably ridden him harder than any other starter in the rotation right so you know it, it's possible that this is just kind of you know dog days of August fatigue settling in a little bit. And, you know, it wouldn't be surprising to me, you know, maybe Freddie on the IL throws a wrench in these plans, but it wouldn't be surprising to me to see them kind of back off of him a little bit in September. How about you, Ryan? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, they will back off a little bit. And I think we have a question about that coming up. So yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna save that. But I, <laughs> yes, I, I do think that that's ideally what they want to do. But they're not quite at that point yet, I don't think. I think the Cincinnati series is too important. Sure. Yeah, do, you, you know, really you do want, that. Yeah, you want to take that opportunity to kind of bury a team in the division race if you can, right? So, right. But yeah, I, I guess heading into September, it wouldn't surprise me to see things change. And as you mentioned, we do have a question about that. 
Uh, this one comes from James Vandenberg. He's asking, how should the team handle a September where a playoff spot is pretty much guaranteed? More importantly, how should us as fans handle this next month? I think that's an interesting twist, too, because, you know, we're we're kind of used to all, you know, the Craig Timbers surging to the finish line kind of thing. But, you know, the surge has kind of already happened this year. So is this kind of a rare situation where they kind of ease off the gas, as we've kind of been talking about? So in an ideal world, you're going to rotate through hitters, giving basically everybody a day off every three or four days so that nobody's playing more than a couple days in a row. Everybody's nice and rested, but also staying fresh. And this will keep, you know, by by rotating through, this will make sure that guys like Jace Peterson and would have been Tyrone Taylor, but he's, you know, unfortunately going to be unavailable for a while. But you would want to rotate so that you'd keep all these guys fresh and going without like wearing them down down the stretch and on the pitching side you would definitely back off innings wise not necessarily skipping starts maybe maybe you would you would do a a skipped start here and there and Freddie Peralta sort of obliged on this front by having a an injury that he really didn't think was that serious but the team was like no 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 Freddie you you go ahead (laughs) you go ahead and you take a break you rest right and uh we'll be we'll be okay without you and that was absolutely the right call, by the way, that you do not want to in in that situation when a player says, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. The team did absolutely what they should do 100 percent of the time in that case and just be like, no, you, you're going to go sit for a little while because it's just not worth it. You don't screw around with elbows and you don't screw around, especially with shoulders, because shoulders are, are the devil for pitchers like that's right. That's how careers get screwed up. Elbows you can generally recover from even if it ends up being a long-term Tommy John recovery thing. Most guys come back from that shoulders. We've seen it with Jimmy Nelson. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you you've seen it over and over. You don't want to screw around with that stuff. So if there's any sort of indication, you just back off and it would be nice to, and they've, they've already, like we talked about this, they've been, they were doing this with Freddie Peralta coming out of the All-Star break. They were making right. sure they were giving him rest and not overusing him and and all of that while still giving him, you know, some innings in there so that he wouldn't, like, go through, like, a 20-day layoff, which is kind of the ideal way to handle it. Mm-hmm. One thing I think that is important, though, once you get towards the end of September, what you really want to do is have everything firing back into you know right all cylinders now that doesn't necessarily mean your position players are going to be playing uh full games but i think you want to throw out your best lineups to start games and then you know do the old spring training after you know they they get a couple of that bats in they can then go sit down after that like yeah i think you want to do that but the pitchers definitely you're going to if you back off of them in terms of the number of innings you're having them throw and how deep they're working pitch count wise, you're going to want to give them a little bit of work up to get to that point in the playoffs. So if you start, you know, say pulling a guy after 40 or 50 pitches, well, before you, you have him go and try to throw a hundred or 110 in the playoffs, you want to, you want to get a 70 in there or an 80 (laughs) or a 90. Right. So, and of course they're going to handle it that way. They're they're too smart not to to do some of this stuff. So they're going to handle it that way. I'm sure this has all been discussed a long time ago and they have plans and then they have contingency plans 
if things don't work exactly the way they want them to. <laughs> right. So I guess the second part of James's question here, how should we as fans handle the next <laughs> month? Because like, you know, obviously with that, with the scaling back maybe, and then the ramping back up, I think maybe it's important to remember that, you know, maybe they won't win every single series that they should going forward. And it's probably not the end of the world, right? Yeah, I think that we're going to need to be relaxed. I did see, I actually saw more joking, uh, stop freaking out, ha 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 sort of stuff after the two-game losing streak. But if that had gotten to four, I think people would have legitimately started losing their shit. So, (laughs) like, I think that we have to be sort of accepting that this isn't going to uh, necessarily be... you don't want it to you don't want to see that lead really start to dwindle because the way the Reds offense is playing and the way that their schedule sets up, they could put some pressure on you if you just kind of hover around 500, though they may also that their pitching is not very good. And we could see some cracks start to emerge in some guys who've had seasons that are sort of inexplicably good, like Wade Miley and Tyler Molly, like those guys. Mm-hmm. At some point, they're going to get blown. They have to, right? Like, they, <laughs> has I to mean, happen. we said the same thing about Wade Miley when he was in Milwaukee, right? So, I mean, well, and then eventually knows, he did start know. to get blown up, but yeah, at that point, it sort of didn't matter. So, yeah, I guess the whole thing is, it's going to be as long as they keep that lead over five games. I think people are probably going to be pretty relaxed. Uh, yeah. If it starts to dip down, if you start seeing like threes or twos, people are going to lose their shit. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, I probably would. Yeah, that's that's getting a little close for comfort. You know, like you shouldn't, because even at like if they had a three game lead right now, they would still be pretty overwhelming favorites for the division. I like, mean, sure. And, and a lot of that, too, is the lack of head to heads. Right. So, I mean, right. That's that's part of the, the equation. Mm hmm. But they also the Brewers do have a tougher schedule in September. And so right. it's something that we're just not going to uh, be able to expect to just roll out there and and flatten everybody the way we have, though. Yeah, this team is certainly good enough that maybe they just will. They'll just continue to be really, really good. I tweeted this earlier in the week, but it, it's kind of mind blowing to me, but it's still well within the realm of possibility that the Brewers win a hundred games this year, which I don't know if I'd ever seen a, or thought a Brewers team could ever win a hundred games. But mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, I think with the win today, they've only got to go like 24 and 13 or something like that the rest of the way to hit a hundred, which, you know, seems fairly doable. <laughs> 11 games over 500 is not a, uh, out of the realm of possibility. So, I mean, that'd be something too. Obviously a, a number that doesn't really mean much of anything, but you know, it'd be a nice little feather in the cap for this team too, especially a year where they weren't maybe expected to do that well. So, I mean, uh, if they can go out and win 90 games, which would mean they need to go 14 and 23. <laughs> which would feel like a giant collapse it would feel like a giant collapse but the reds to overtake them at that point would need to go 31 and 15 right 
So, I mean, that that's a nice assurance, too, that... Or, I'm sorry, 30 to, to actually pass them, they would need to go 32 and 14. There you go. So, I mean, that's another thing to keep in mind, too, like, in the moment. You know, in it, sometime in the next week when the Brewers lose three in a row and the Reds win two or three in a row and they kind of close that gap down that, you know, it, it's just they're running out of games to do this. So uh, mm-hmm. that's that's a nice little reminder. And frankly, too. the Brewers are a much better team than Cincinnati. I don't the, it, No objective look at those teams could look at Cincinnati and say they're a better team than Milwaukee. Milwaukee's a better right. team. Right. All right, I guess speaking of September, our next Patreon question comes from Brady Steinberg. He's asking, who are the two guys you would like to see added to the active roster when they expand to 28 in September? Yeah, so the way this is going to work is not seeing guys that we've never seen before. It's going to mean that guys who have been up and down are going to get a little more firm of a place, maybe won't see any up and down action. And some guys that... Like, I think we're going to see Aaron Ashby. Did you catch the quote after the game on Sunday from Lorenzo Kane about Ashby? I did not. No. Kane was extremely complimentary of him and said <laughs> that his stuff is just absolutely nasty. And I did see, I, I don't know that I necessarily believe it, but the, the, the gun in the park today had him at 98. Wow. And there Kane was talking about his changeup, which I'm... So there's so much discussion about what is Ashby's other pitch? Like, what is he <laughs> like? Is it a slider? Is it a curveball? Is it a change? Like, he is a nasty, nasty secondary offering there. And yeah, if if he can locate a little bit better, because he did have some issues with location, and mm-hmm. he, he's going to need to get that under control a little bit. And not it's not just about throwing strikes for him. It's about throwing good strikes. Right. But if he can do that, then he probably gets firmed into a roster spot and you're using him in the way that they used Drew Pomerantz in 19, uh, the way that, uh, say, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns were used. Well, especially the way Corbin Burns was used in mm-hmm. 2018. Mm-hmm. So there will be opportunities here for for guys like that to get a more firm roster spot, but it's not going to be, I don't think anybody out of the blue. All right. So how about this? We did have a Twitter question kind of along the lines that might fit into this discussion too. So it comes from Marcus Horton. He's asking who makes their MLB debut first, Luke Barker or Ethan small. And it will, will it be this season or next? So either of those guys maybe in consideration for those extra roster spots. We're going to need to see Ethan Small pitch before we think of him coming up. And the Luke Barker thing, I know everybody wants him to come up. Everybody is, uh, he, he's become the, oh, I don't know. Who who are some of our past guys? I'm, I'm blanking on who some of these guys even were in the past. I mean, there have been quite a few, you know, reliever types to put up big numbers and, and kind of get that, but. Well, um, free such and such guy. There was the right, middle infielder right. that was putting. Nate Orff. Yes. Yeah, Nate Orff. Nate Orff. Yeah, all all these sorts of guys. And generally, I think that, you know, especially when it comes to pitching guys, like, I think we should trust that the Brewers kind of know what they're doing. And if they think that there's a reason that he won't necessarily get outs at the big league level, that they probably have 
a good reason for thinking that, and we should probably trust it. So it's not to say they can't make a mistake, but it just seems unlikely, considering all the the roster shuffle they've been through, all the different ways they've 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 turned over this roster, and they've still left Luke Barker out on the outside looking in. It it should say something to us about what they think of him because I I do think they know what punishing they're doing. him for speaking out on the conditions of the minor leagues right that's the conspiracy theory oh that's right yes <laughs> okay yeah so he's being down by the man because he uh, has has spoken out about minor league baseball and and unfair treatment of players and such so clearly it's not that he the Brewers don't think he's that one of the best options it's just because you know david stearns is teaching him a lesson and keeping him down there so that certainly seems plausible welcome to the conspiracy corner yeah yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) all right uh so moving on we've got our next patreon question it comes from adam post uh kind of talking about the (laughs) other big news of the week Giannis buying a portion of of (laughs) the brewers uh so that was just kind of a, a a trip to see it's not something i i guess i would have expected kind of came out of the blue uh but you know always good to see you know athletes from other sports still kind of like investing in the community putting down roots that kind of thing uh of course you know aaron Rodgers owns part of the bucks and is still gonna split after this year but hey you know uh <laughs> it's, it's still nice to see them kind of buy into the culture right so Adam's question is, where in Milwaukee would you put the future statue of newest Brewers minority stake owner, Giannis? So my favorite response to this was, and I'm sorry, I can't cite who I saw this on Twitter from, but it's basically a Colossus of Rhodes situation right in the harbor. So that it, like you have to pass through his like giant legs. But if you need to Google Colossus of Rhodes to understand what we're talking about here, go ahead and do that. But um, I, that, that was my favorite suggestion. Colossus of Giannis. Yeah, I mean, and it, it is fitting. It's just like, a statue of him posterizing DeAndre Ayton from uh, the NBA Finals. So there you go. Yeah. Well, and also like so he's from Greece. And Greece has this shipping history, and I believe Rhodes is from Greece. So, like, there's there's all kinds of stuff that like works here symmetrically for that. That like, yeah. So uh, the Colossus of Giannis over the Milwaukee Harbor, that is that is my favorite idea that I've seen. And again, I'm sorry I can't credit who came up with that, but yeah, that's my where I'd like to go with that. That is a. Uh... Definitely, yeah. I, I just googled it, so yeah. We'll we'll just have him, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's a great great idea. Uh, you know, why put it outside of Pfizer Vorm when you can, you know, put it in the middle of the harbor and make boats drive through his legs? So there you go. All right. Next question comes from your good friend Jay Google. He's asking any explanation as to why the Brewers are so much better on the road compared to home. When he wrote this, it was 21 games above 500 on the road and only four games over 500 at home as of Saturday morning. So that was before the Brewers won a couple from Washington. But the Brewers have been a really, really good road team this year. Well, it's because when they get on the road, they feel insulated in a little bubble and they feel like they can just go out and take on the world. Yeah. <laughs> I'm almost positive this is just something that happens occasionally where a team has 
some things break its way in one location where they don't in the other. We see this every year where there's some teams. So in MLB, there is a sort of a persistent home field advantage that I think did largely vanish last year with the empty stands. So I think we, we did learn something about that. But there's there's this persistent home field advantage. and But there's always teams that, that counter it every given year because if you have 30 teams and a few of them are going to counter that and have better records uh, on the road than at home, it's almost certainly not due to anything under anybody's control. It's just something that's happened. And I wouldn't look to it to continue or extend beyond this year, but it is kind of fun. It, <laughs> my my personal record in home games, I think I'm like, I've got to be almost like 15 and six or something at, at games at, uh, at the AmFam Clam. So like, I like, I'm yeah. seeing wins there and they are still, they're six games over. So they're obviously not playing terribly at home, but, it's go. just one of those things that happens. Yeah, I think uh, the answer this year may lie with the Pirates and Cubs being terrible baseball teams and the Brewers just stopping them every single time they play, right? You know, they ended up 13-3 and against the Cubs. They ended up 14-5 and against the Pirates. Um, plus, I think, so this is interesting too. I just pulled up their B-Ref schedule page, but they're 6-1 and one in seven inning games this year so they've really killed those double headers uh which obviously they're not playing any at home because they've got the roof so uh six and one in those double header seven inning games which is you know could be a fluke but also just maybe a testament to the the pitching right and i think that kind of plays a factor in that too and you, you know they haven't been bad in those extra inning games though too they're 10 and 8 in extra inning games so that's more of a coin flip especially with the ghost runner situation. But, you know, maybe those are the type of things where a couple games here, a couple games there really kind of help build that success away from uh, AmFam. But I, I'm i going to mostly lay it at the feet of the Cubs being terrible and the Brewers winning a ton of games at Wrigley. Mm-hmm. And I, they're doing very well at PNC as well, as you mentioned. So Exactly. Exactly. And they did like weirdly lose two of three to the Pirates early in the season at home. At home, which was, yeah, that was one of those bizarre series, right? That you're just going to get every once in a while. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, One last Patreon question. This one comes from Jamie Wonders. Jamie is stepping into the conspiracy corner. So we're going back there. Are the Brewers trying to juice haters arbitration numbers by giving them every save opportunity they can? In order to build goodwill for an extension, maybe trying to repair some trust after Hader lost his arbitration hearing in 2020. So this is a question I wish Paul was here for, because I'm sure he would say absolutely they're trying to, you know, build up some goodwill here. But Ryan, what do you think? Okay, so I do think part of this is trying to build up goodwill, and I think this is maybe more counsel than Stearns on that front. I, I do believe that they are using him as a closer and letting him get those saves in an attempt to make him happy. Now, whether or not that has to do with trying to get his... It, it, am I reading this right? Trying to give him more salary in arbitration oh, so that they can give him an extension. 
because yeah. that that part doesn't really You're make building sense. a goodwill for an extension so yeah here are the saves which we know will inflate the arb number so it's going to cost some money in that but if if it the trade-off is saving some money with a long-term extension is that the long-term play uh i don't think they're going to extend him long term i think that giving a any relief pitcher any reliever a long-term extension even one who's been as phenomenal as josh Hader, and maybe he is the rare case he's the billy wagner he's the mariano rivera i mean craig kimbrell's probably the best closer of all time now and look at how much he's bounced around too nobody wants to give him that you know right like craig kimbrell (laughs) was looking damn near unplayable for like over like a hundred innings worth of pitching yeah for quite well and now he's bounced back again and looks better but i don't think they're going to be extending him i think they're looking for a good time to flip him for the best return that they can get and this actually does sort of bring up something that i've been thinking about for a little while now and it's not pleasant so bear with (laughs) me on this great Things are things we're are back going to the unpleasantness. Yeah, yeah, things are going very well right now. Well, we're, we're not going to talk about labor this week. We we talked about uh, that. But yeah. We're not going to dig into that because yeah. that's a whole other. Things are going too well, so Ryan's got to worry about something. So here we go. Yeah. Well, no, this isn't actually. This isn't worrying about something. It's more about. So if you look at what the Boston Red Sox have done over the last say twelve to fifteen years or so, um, towards the end of the Theo run and then through their their ups and downs that they've had where they've picked in the top 10, I think three times mm-hmm. and like they just picked in the top four after, or yeah, they picked fourth last year and got the number one prospect in the draft uh, in just this very last draft. It would behoove the brewers at some point to get off to a bad start. Um, <laughs> and I'm not talking about probably if, if I had to pick a year, I would say 2023 would be a good year to have a bad start because it's a good year to have a bad year. Well, yeah, at least a bad start. So you wouldn't necessarily want to have any long-term debilitating injuries, but some injuries could be useful. And the whole point of this would be to basically allow them to make some trades, trade off some players, whoever they've sort of at that point identified as, guys we can't get an extension done with that we like and we need to to make a move to get this guy before he gets too close to free agency we need to flip him so this could be your Brandon Woodruffs your Josh Haters your Corbin Burnses sorry James but there will be at you know there will come a time when they have to decide who they're going to keep and who they're going to let go and make some decisions on these things and Timing-wise, 2023 would be a pretty good time for that to happen because that would allow them to sort of flip the page and do not a a full reboot, but allow them to sort of get a little bit younger, bring in some talent uh, to extend the window and allow them to... to, to keep the pipeline flowing of young guys that they like coming up to the majors. So... I know it's not pleasant, and I'm sorry. You want them to do that after the players strike in 2022? So you're going to come off a strike year and sell everybody off? That'll make everybody happy. So it's not going to be a strike. It'll be a uh, 
it'll be a lockout, a lockout or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a lockout. We're gonna be very very picky about that. By the way, when when this comes up, but it'll be portrayed as the player's fault. Of course, it'll be a it always yeah by by you know Buster only and his cadre John Heyman those guys. Um, yeah, of course it will be. So, yeah, but there will come a point when you want to reshuffle the roster, and hopefully they're able to get a long-term deal done with some of these guys that they like and that works for them. That would be ideal. But could you could you ever imagine a way that uh, Josh Hader, Corbin Burns, or Brandon Woodruff all get locked into long-term extensions? No. Yeah. So I do think they're gonna have to choose. They're gonna have to choose between Woodruff and Burns too. And honestly, Burns is probably the one you want to pick, right? Woodruff was the late bloomer. He's a little older. He is a little bit older. You have a little bit more time on Burns. It just sort of depends on what deals guys are willing to do, right? Like, right. It comes down to where you value them, and I, I just gonna have one chance. Just the way. That is our status. He's really going to have one chance at a big contract. So yep. that's where I get pessimistic about his chances of re-signing. But. but then again, some guys just, you know, they decide they want to be in a certain place for whatever reason. And you never know. It's hard to, to predict who's going to decide to do what right. for what reason. So especially like three years out, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you're not. Let's not worry about it, Ryan, is what I'm trying to say. So <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm the just hundred season and sit down and and cool out for i'm just saying there is a value down the road to having a bad season at some point sure okay uh we do have some twitter questions too a reminder you can follow our twitter account that's at mke tailgate we'll put out that call for questions every week too and even if you're not a patron you can send us a question there we'll try to get to it if we have time we do have time for a couple this week uh we got one from vinnie cornell's saying he was heading to the game today on Sunday, but the Benchies bobbleheads have gone missing. <laughs> that was a whole hullabaloo too. Uh, but he's yeah, asking, could you, could you explain that hullabaloo? Cause I don't think I quite understood what was going on with it. So there was just some shipping delay or something like that. Okay. So like they just didn't ship in time. Yeah. Cause they uh, handed but, out you know, vouchers. So we have a stack okay. of vouchers and a oh, great, so we were handed, we were also handed 50th anniversary bobbleheads from last year. I was so, going to say, so like they took the opportunity to be like, sorry, here's your voucher for your Ben Sheets one. And here's the crap still in our locker. So well, it's not crap. Away. They were perfectly cromulent. <laughs> so here's the thing. One of them perfectly was the cromulent bobbleheads. It's fine. Yeah, right. we yeah, got. Yeah. So we got four of them because we my parents were with us and uh, all four were because we came in the gate that was giving out the Hank Aaron ones. And my mom started wheeling and dealing like a like a kid dealing <laughs> baseball. Honest to God, she she yeah. started making friends with people and started trading our things around. So we ended up walking out with two Hank Aaron's, uh, a Paul <laughs> Molitor and a Christian Yelich. So okay. she was looking around to see if she could get a Yount and, and actually make the trade. But I kind of wanted to hold on to the extra uh, Hank Aaron for my own purposes yeah so but yeah i'm i'm perfectly happy to uh have have swapped some of those out so yeah that was that was entertaining all right so Vinny's actual question here was what was your favorite ballpark giveaway yeah so what was paul's answer to this when we talked about it last spring because his was funny i don't remember i think like the most useful ones that we've had were like 
the coolers when they sure. used to hand those out the the <laughs> soft sided coolers those okay. things um i mean the creepiest was the real hair Derek turnbow yeah by far and then uh, he blew the save that day and his beheaded bobbleheads were thrown on the on the field yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and by the way, you'll never see uh, bobblehead giveaways at Cubs games because there was a an incident there where it was like a Friday night. They gave out it was the one year they were doing bobbleheads on Friday nights and the yeah. Cubs fans were all ripping off the heads of bobbleheads and whipping them around. So <laughs> that that turned into a bit of a uh, a pretzel situation, actually. <laughs> not ideal. Uh, yeah, I think. Thinking back about ones, I, it wasn't a ballpark giveaway, but the thing I like that I've gotten from the Brewers the most was uh, a little coin that inside of it has dirt from the field uh, from okay. the night of Niger Morgan's walk-off in oh, that's cool. 2011. But that was a season ticket holder giveaway that they sent to us like over that winter. Oh, that's awesome. So that's, uh, yeah, my favorite little piece of memorabilia, except for yeah. my... My brother's ex-wife is a distant cousin of Craig Council and had a, uh, a, a <laughs> autographed baseball from him. So oh, okay, yeah, okay. I somewhere I have a I had a Damian Miller autographed baseball when he was with the Diamondbacks <sighs> because I, one of my mom's cousins went to high school with him in West Salem. So that was a cool little uh, thing when he was catching Randy Johnson all those years. So that was cool. Um, I guess my favorite ballpark giveaway is also the one that has scarred me for life. It was the infamous lightweight hoodie giveaway, which was the most disorganized thing in the world. They did not have them at the gate. You had to go in after you checked in, and then they had them at some random t tables, and there were grandmas elbowing me below the belt trying to get, like, five of them, and it, it was just a nightmare to get the right sizes. It was... Mm. it was hell and i think that was uh, that was also the same day too so you know you talked about the vouchers with the ben sheets bobblehead uh they also uh i believe gave away vouchers for the boston store which then they put up on the scoreboard sorry those are no good boston store went out of business sorry about that so <laughs> oh, that was right. embarrassing <laughs> yeah you start giving away free stuff in wisconsin yeah. You're definitely gonna get some some elbows thrown and yeah, yeah. exactly. It, especially when it was as disorganized as that. And but hey, man, I still have that lightweight hoodie. It, it's a great piece of merchandise. Uh, no sponsor ads on it or anything like that, which is kind of rare for those giveaways too. So very nice. Yeah, that's so. almost unthinkable, actually. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. One last Twitter question. This one comes from McNam Double O Three. Two questions, actually. First one is, who is a dark horse to make the playoff roster? Yep. And second question is, <laughs> is there anything worse than the guy who woos all game long? Okay, so first off, it's not the guy. It's a bunch of people doing this, and it happens all <laughs> over the place, and everybody's annoyed with it, and it it, it seriously needs to stop. And There like, will be a murder at American Family Field if they don't stop. There's going to be yeah. a murder somewhere over this because it is, <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely the worst, and it's happening everywhere coast to coast now it, it seems like this is popping up and people feel like it. so i got yelled at by my wife today because i got really annoyed <laughs> at some people a couple sections over trying to start a wave in like the third inning of the game oh my god 
And but that's the I Sunday crowd for you, you know? Like that's Well, that's I didn't turn happen. around and look, but the people that were doing it was like a little league team that was there all okay. together in like their uniforms oh, and they were the ones God. doing it. But they were also <laughs> you yelling at a bunch of kids. <laughs> well, I know I didn't yell at them because I wasn't anywhere okay. near close to them, but I was grumbling and cursing them under my breath. And <laughs> And yeah, Amy had to straighten me out on that. Like, it's just little kids. Are you are you really getting like upset at little children? Actually, it may not have. This is bad. I can't yes. remember. If, I can't remember if it was my I wife am. or my mom who was yelling at me about this. It was one of the two. Was was scolding oh, me for this. Man. So uh, yeah, for Amy, don't listen to this. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, actually, now that I th- the more I think about it, I think it was my mom was scolding me about that. Oh, like, oh, the, the little the little league kids, you're 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 mad at the little league kids. And I'm like, I just hate the wave. I just like it's annoying, I, especially in the th- the game was one one in like the fourth inning. Like, just stop. It's perfectly acceptable to be angry at children, in my opinion. So there you go. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Some people have it as their brand on Twitter. So uh, yeah, I. I can't say I will ever have kids. Good for you that do, but I it's not for me. I'll just be the cool uncle, I guess. Yeah, I, I think there's advantages to that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the real question here, who's the dark horse to make the playoff roster? Do you have any thoughts on who that may be? Yeah, the one I'll throw out is Aaron Ashby. I think that uh, I, I still am team Ethan Small for the long term. I think he has a better chance of being an above-average starter long term. Mm-hmm. But... For this year, for what they're looking for, well, first off, Small is not healthy and Ashby is, so that automatically gives him a leg up there. But yeah, he does have filthy stuff and could really be useful. And to break through this group of guys and to get on the field for this, like you're going to need to be really good. So you, I think mm-hmm. going with, for somebody who has a high ceiling because they have really great stuff, that's the bet I'd like to make with this question is bet on the big stuff. Sure. I think that's a solid pick too. And, you know, they kind of do need or be helpful to have that big wipeout lefty too. You know, obviously they traded for Norris, but, uh, you know, you, if you want a multi-inning guy from the left side who can really dominate those middle innings, especially if, you know, Craig starts to manage like he has in the past, you know, five inning start followed by dominating bullpen. I think that he could be a really interesting piece there. So, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, reminder, you do get question priority again. If you become a patron at patreoncom slash MKE tailgate, we also shout out new patrons or, or those that upgrade. And that looks like we got one to shout out today. Oh, we do. Uh, thank you to Bernie's mustache for joining <laughs> for joining up and supporting. Uh, that is cleaner than several versions of that you could have done. So thank you for that. Uh, so thanks for the mustache, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. okay. So yeah, uh, thank you. And I I wanted to make sure because I'm pretty sure we shouted out somebody who increased a few weeks back, but I just wanted to make sure because I wasn't 100% if we did or not. But mm-hmm. also, thank you to Sam Kluender. I think we did shout him out for this, for increasing okay. uh, from 5 to $10 a month. So, appreciate that, Sam. Of course. Oh, of and course. did you guys talk last week about uh, Dan Ventura changed his uh, <laughs> from the, the, the four, 450 euros to $5 uh, a month? <laughs> I, I think we meant to, and it 
fell under the radar. So yeah, uh, Dan Ventura infamously paid us in euros on the reunion show, and uh, well, and, I guess and we that got was to a riff ab- Yeah, so we got to riff about that a little bit, and we're like, "Where do you think he's from?" And we're like, "You know, Switzerland, or you know, it's, yeah, he's one of Euro League soccer fans." Yeah, right, exactly. exactly. And it turns out he's in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> so he fixed that though i don't think it it really matters like we were getting paid in u.s dollars so sure um, i don't think we, we we had a a euro thing that uh that popped in there so yeah <laughs> thank you thank you dad for, for i'll just have to that. add that to the yeah i'll add that to the start of the show where you know five dollars a month that's 450 euros you get the minor league extra podcast with ryan and james anderson which again recording this week so sign up for that yeah and we still haven't like is it cents is it four four euros 50 cents is it is I, that how they do things i there? doubt it is i am horribly ignorant when it comes to uh <laughs> money from around the world so uh well it's not hey, that money that has a hole in it so uh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, it, it's at least four fifty euro. So like, uh, you know, you get a fifty cent reduction. I don't know. Uh, but thanks again, Dan, for signing up. Uh, reminder again: there's that two dollar level gets you question priority. Five bucks a month gets you the minor league extra with Ryan and James. Again, recording this week, talking uh, MLB pipeline top one hundred prospects. You also get Paul's reporting as eligible mini pods through the Packers season and. Be on the lookout for a full uh, reporting as eligible podcast this week, too. So uh, we'll wrap it up here. But while we're at it, please do not forget to subscribe to us. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere else. You know the whole list. Wherever you listen, please do hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, please leave us a rating or a review to help other people find us. Uh, and, you know, as the added bonus there five-star reviews with a rating uh get read on the air as well we've got one but it's specifically for paul and i want to make him read it so we'll save that for next week uh but uh please do uh you know leave us that rating because it does help more folks find the podcast and and we want to get this out to as many people as possible and, and you know take your questions that's that's the whole point of this fun little exercise we do so please do do that In the meantime, we'll be back next week. Stay well, everybody. We will see you next time on The Walkies.